Hello, and welcome to Talking Opinions. I am Anthony Livingston Hall. Russian President Vladimir Vladimirovich Putin and US President Joe Biden marked the first anniversary of Russia's genocidal invasion of Ukraine with dueling speeches on Tuesday. But nobody, not even Putin in his nightmares, could have imagined this war playing out as it has. Not least because even Biden was convinced it would take only 72 hours for the mighty Russian invaders to squash the hapless Ukrainian defenders, making way for Putin to march into Kyiv in February 2022 as triumphantly as Hitler marched into Warsaw in October 1939. Unfortunately, I felt constrained to criticize many things that played out over this past year, as a litany of blog posts and podcast episodes will attest. But the title to one post crystallizes my abiding criticism, namely, Biden's dithering over sending patriots and other weapons to Ukraine will turn out to be the biggest military blunder of this war. From December 14, 2022. And given the epic blunders Putin has committed, that's saying a lot. But there is no denying how heroically the Ukrainians have defended themselves. And nothing demonstrated this quite like the way Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky invited Biden to mark this anniversary by strolling the streets of Kyiv on Monday. I am all too mindful, however, that Biden declared from day one that NATO's mission would be to not just help Ukraine defend itself, but defeat Russia so decisively it would never invade another country again. This is why the theme of my criticism has been twofold. 1. The US and its NATO allies continually forcing Ukraine to beg for months before sending the weapons it needs to defeat Russia. And 2. The US and its NATO allies failing to provide contingent training for Ukrainians to be ready to use NATO's high-tech weapons when, after all the dithering, they finally get them. If the US and its NATO allies had done both in a more timely manner, I am convinced Ukraine would have won this war months ago. That said, it speaks volumes that Biden delivered his speech at an outdoor venue in Warsaw to around 30,000 cheering political dignitaries and ordinary people. Because this stood in triumphant contrast to the way Putin delivered his, which was at Fortress Kremlin to around 300 snoozing members of his rubber stamp parliament. Evidently, Putin felt emasculated by the media mockery this contrast evoked, 
because only that explains him offering cash and warm food to around 300,000 Russians to show up at a stadium in Moscow the following day and cheer jingoistically as if their lives depended on it during a do-over of his speech. In any case, Biden spent much of his Jeffersonian speech hailing the fact that, one year later, Kiev stands strong and free. This, he claimed, is a testament to the triumph of democracy over autocracy. Whereas, Putin spent much of his Orwellian speech gaslighting about the West goading Ukraine to invade Russia. This, he claimed, is why Russia has been defending itself against Ukrainian fascism, the way allied countries did against German fascism during World War II. It is notable, though, that Putin's diatribe offered a sample of the daily diet of dystopian lies he feeds people inside Russia through his control of all media. Forget propaganda, because Putin has so indoctrinated Russians with his alternate reality. They blame Ukrainians, not just with conviction, but indignation, for war crimes the whole world knows their fellow Russians committed. The curious thing is that this brainwashing has been so effective and pervasive that Putin seems not only to believe his own lies, but to think people outside Russia believe them too. Meanwhile, he has turned Russia into a bona fide rogue nation like North Korea. Granted, it has lots more oil, but thanks to sanctions, fewer countries to sell it to. And it has lots more nukes, but thanks to mutual assured destruction, everyone knows Russia would never dare use a single one. Indeed, it's an indication of Russia's fecklessness that the only way it can challenge the US these days is by executing North Korean-style computer hacks, making hollow North Korean-style nuclear threats, and launching meaningless North Korean-style nuclear tests. <laughs> sure enough, as if on cue, reports are that a jealous Putin tried to one-up Biden's historic visit to Kyiv by ordering the launch of a nuclear ICBM test. It duly failed. But the contrast between their speeches also showed why only a few autocratic countries are standing with Russia. Only yesterday, 141 countries voted for a UN resolution calling on Russia to leave Ukraine. Only seven voted against it. The point is that Putin's only supporters are autocrats who, like him, fear democratic freedoms so much they routinely imprison or kill their people for daring to exercise them. And so it's hardly surprising that China and Iran are playing for Russia, the Axis role Japan and Italy played for Germany during World War II. Still, it bears repeating the observation I made 
in the podcast episode. Putin, Xi, the Patriarch and Gay Hoops star, Ray Ukraine, on March 26, 2022. And I quote, this axis requires Xi to subordinate his grand ambition for China to play in the 21st century, the superpower role the United States played in the 20th. And, truth be told, I didn't think Xi would kowtow as much as he already has by parroting Putin's propaganda, not to mention the public show he made of inviting Putin to sign a bizarre Friendship Between Two States Without Limits Alliance Manifesto in Beijing last month. End quote. But you need only consider the counterfactual of Germany's axis of fascists prevailing in World War II to appreciate the nightmare scenario of a new world order led by Russia's axis of autocracies. Because, with all due respect to Samuel Huntington, it's not the cultural and religious clash of civilizations, but the political and territorial clash of ideologies that will be the primary source of conflict in our post-Cold War world. Apropos of which, reports abounded this week about China planning to supply lethal weapons to Russia. This would have China finally abandoning its pretense of playing mediator between Russia and Ukraine. Never mind that it has been playing this role with all the diplomatic tact of a bull in a china shop, which is why nobody ever took its role as mediator seriously. Again, this is the China that wants the world to think of it as a worthy alternative to the United States as the sole superpower. Yet, when faced with a time for choosing between Russian invaders and Ukrainian defenders, China chose instead to lead a coalition of global South nations, mostly in Africa and Latin America, in sitting on the fence based on false political and moral equivalencies between Russia and Ukraine. The problem is that this is analogous to countries taking pride during World War II in being friendly with both Germany and Poland, even after Germany's genocidal ravages became clear for all the world to see. Moreover, it indicates that if it were up to Xi's China instead of Roosevelt's America, all of Europe would be under Nazi rule to this day. This is why the only way to deal with China is for Western countries to make a show of divesting all financial interests. Because, as things stand, China's regard for the West is suffused with such contemptuous presumption that it believes financial greed would cause Westerners to betray their own national security to maintain access to its lucrative market. <laughs> Frankly, if they want China to take their warnings about siding with Russia seriously, 
Western countries must treat Russia and China like even greater pariahs than North Korea and Iran. This means completely banning them from all Western-led international events like the 2024 Paris Olympics, in addition to ordering all Western corporations to stop doing business with them. Putin punctuated his dystopian speech by announcing the suspension of Russia's participation in the Nuclear START Treaty with the United States. This had reporters and commentators all at Twitter, but I don't know why. After all, everyone knows that Russia has been abiding the terms of the START Treaty with respect to inspecting nuclear weapons, no more than it has been abiding those of the WADA protocols with respect to testing athletes for performance-enhancing drugs. Except that, instead of merely suspending START, you might wonder why Putin isn't ending it. Of course, that's because he's bluffing. In fact, his whole speech came across like the blustering banter of a delusional, desperate, dying dictator. <laughs> to be fair, though, Biden's speech didn't come across much better. Not least because it smacked of a self-aggrandizing, self-promoting victory lap. In fact, it seemed almost too tone-deaf for words. I mean, he had just denied Zelensky's latest request for fighter jets and long-range missiles. And this, despite consensus among military experts, that Ukraine needs those weapons not just to win the war, but to spare ordinary Ukrainians the terror and death that comes with Putin bombing them at will and with impunity. Which brings me full circle, because, as indicated earlier, I am convinced that Biden's dithering over supplying weapons to Ukraine will turn out to be the biggest blunder of this war. And when Ukrainians reflect on the death and destruction his dithering caused them, I fear images of Biden delivering his speech at what was staged as a campaign rally will fill them with inconsolable and understandable resentment. That's it. Subscribe for free wherever you listen to your podcasts. And for thought-provoking commentaries, often laced with humor, I invite you to visit my blog at www.ipjn.com. Thank you for listening, and until the next Talking Opinions, goodbye.